Danish Your Heart on Fire podcast, episode number 97. Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Excited to bring you another episode on our road to 100 episodes. Thank you for everybody who's listening to the podcast. We really appreciate you from all over the world. And it's, it's exciting to be able to share this uh, medium of content to connect with you. And maybe it's inspiration. Maybe it's uh, sharing a dance journey. Maybe it's answering a question. All kinds of different things around dance that I think it's, it's really important to have these conversations and yeah, thanks for being here. So this week, we're going to have another kind of like personal themed podcast. And that's not really oriented around the dance background story of a dancer or an instructor, I should say. And I'm really excited to have my friend Sonia on the podcast with us today. How are you doing today, Sonia? Hi, Sonia. Uh, hi, Sonia. <laughs> great. <laughs> hi, Charles. Hi, Sonia. Um, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on your podcast and looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should talk a little bit about how we even got here to like recording the podcast episode a little bit. But yeah, let's talk about that. And then we'll talk yeah. about 2020 before we get into like the meat and potatoes of the podcast. Awesome. Uh, do you want me to share or uh, do sure. you want to share? Yes. Yeah, you know, it was great. I'll yeah, it just, yeah. So I mean, uh, first we met. Uh, we were in Minneapolis in, in one of it the events, Minneapolis right? It was Minneapolis in Bailame. Yes. Bailame. Mm-hmm. Oh, the good times, right? Yes. And um, so, and I stayed connected with you on Facebook. And just recently, I did a little bit of a road trip where I was on the, in the car for a long time, many hours, and I had posted about recommendation for podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then I heard about your podcast and my ear was like, what, dance? What about dance? Charles is doing a podcast <laughs> and dance. And uh, because of my background and I do a lot of interviews, that I'm sure we, we go a little bit into that later, I felt like that is such a great podcast. I listened to two episodes uh, on my trip and I felt like, oh, I would love to contribute if it's kind of like feels right. And so I reached mm-hmm. out to you. And so we have been kind of back and forth and now we're sitting here and uh, uh, it's exciting. So I think it's such a great 
I, I, refreshing. I didn't even know there is a podcast uh, specifically for dancers. If they're professional or not, doesn't even matter. And um, mm-hmm. so I'm super happy to be here with you today. Yeah, definitely. It's crazy because, like, if you think about like fitness or therapy or sex or technology or plants, like there's like tons and tons and massive amounts of like content and shows and videos and books and documentaries getting created. And I know for us dancers, we want to dance and like maybe do performances and things like that in like a, I guess, a normal quote unquote dance presentation way. But I feel like conversations around Mm -hmm. dance are something that's really, really important. So Kind of my inspiration for even starting the podcast was like, I don't see a lot of content for dancers out there um, Mm -hmm. outside of demos and things like that. I guess from a a professional standpoint, you know, and then I remember like traveling around to teach and I would have like awesome conversations about all kinds of different topics, you know, and I'm like, more people need to hear about this. Like, why is it just one on one with us? This needs to be one to like the world of partner dancing. So this is kind of like, my contribution to like add some to the, I'm, I'm only one person, so I can only do so much. Uh, the podcast has really been growing. And I, I guess with COVID, um, I've been able to kind of focus on the content creation side a little bit more. So I've been consistent with weekly episodes since May because it's been really off and on over the years. And so mm. even though if we, if we take a look at my first podcast episode, it's probably back in 2016 or something like that. So it's taken me four years to get to a hundred episodes, <laughs> but it's been awesome to kind of like pick it back up again since we have the time and and started and start putting out that content, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and you know, I, I agree with you from a dancer. And I mean, I'm, I consider myself a dancer. I'm not a professional dancer or any, uh, of any kind, but mm-hmm. to, to kind of specify certain uh, topics or to give inspiration and help support whatever we want to call it, information, wisdom, mm-hmm. specifically to the dance community, I think it's just it's something that's near to my heart too. Because even mm-hmm. though I, I, I'm not a dancer uh, in that sense that I, I teach dance per se, I use mm-hmm. dancing in my work as a therapist, as a coach, and I think it's such such a huge part of our personal well-being, actually, I think. And mm-hmm. um, so to bring that together and to bring my work and my knowledge and my wisdom into the dance kind of community is super exciting to me. So I'm, For sure. Yeah. This should be a really good uh, conversation that we're going to have here because I'm giving, I don't even know everything that you do. So this is going to be... <laughs> I'm going to have my popcorn ready as well to kind of <laughs> listen to your story. But um, how has this year been for you before we get into uh, your background professionally and in dance? Um, how mm-hmm. has 2020 been for you? And we're, and yeah. we're recording this on this December. Is it the 31st? 31st. It's the last day so of 2020. This will come out in 2021 when you're listening to this podcast, but we're recording this on the last day of 2020. So how does that feel? Wow. I mean, it's, it feels, first of all, it's special and they are not, I don't think there's any other podcast I would do today. I'm not working. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, so, but this feels like really, really super special. And because the question, how was 220? I will con- really compress it because it has been so much. It was the craziest mm-hmm. year in a long time. And it has been really the whole spectrum of human experience. Like 
the first lockdown, I live in the Dominican Republic. That's not my background. Like, it's not where I'm from, but I live here. So it was not a bad place to be. So I was not in the cold winter somewhere or anything. Mm. But so when the, the first, when we first hit lockdown here and I live by myself, I'm, as you know, um, quite isolated in the place where I live uh, during lockdown. The first few months, I felt fantastic. I, you mm. know, I'm happy by myself. I, I, I love my own company. And why I'm sharing this is though, I, the dancing had a huge, a huge, a huge influence on, on the whole lockdown experience for me. I mm. became a real solo dancer, right? Like, um, I remember and, seeing uh, the videos that you've been posting. Yeah. And you know, there was a, a, a group on Facebook just for the pandemic, just for dancers. And that mm -hmm. kind of kept the connection going. So the first few months were really great and we're going to a little bit into it. But then, I mean, it hit at some point. I'm a very physical person like many dancers are, right? Mm -hmm. I am not living with anyone. So I was by myself for a long time that I could handle very well. And at the same time, at some point, you really feel physical connection. Uh, you go through a loneliness. You go through frustration. You got, got sick. You know, like there were so many ups and downs. And, um, but ultimately, I think it, it was a really good year to just revisit, you know, what's important, what, what's, what's really meaningful, um, to also give nature a break. So I saw it also mm. beyond just our personal, oh, it's so incon, because it's only inconvenient. We are so, and I don't mean it in a judgmental way, but we are so spoiled and privileged. And, mm, we often, yeah. And I felt like, oh, we are going to give earth a break, you know? So earth can breathe. We just, you know, we're going to sit at home. We're going to deal mm -hmm. with our stuff. And I think it was a huge um, opportunity for many to just go inside versus being too much outside. So it was, mm -hmm. it was a great year for me. And it was a terrifying year. It was a beautiful year, a challenging year. As I went through, I embraced all of it. Mm. Right now on the 31st, after having, to, I'm always very transparent and honest. I'm, you know, like I'm, sure. I have, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a very content person, live a wonderful life, and I go through shit like everyone else. Hmm. Uh, still, so it has been a really challenging week, and today I feel like very accomplished. I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I've done a lot of the things that will allow me to go into a new chapter of my life. Hmm. And um, so I feel good right now. I feel really good. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, 2020 has been crazy. Like there's been some, I know Kobe Bryant passed away, Chadwick Bowick, Boswick passed away. Um, so there's been like deaths on that side, but then also people who are famous, you know, all the people who were affected by COVID. And it's like, it's sad to, to hear about the people who passed away from COVID, but then like my mind also goes to like, there's people dying every second that we don't know about, you know, like exactly. if we yeah. were to juggle the influx of births versus deaths worldwide, yeah. that would be your mind would explode trying to fathom all of those things. So there's definitely like things beyond our, our human comprehension. But yeah, for me, I had started off the year and I was really like, focusing on my goals and my events and making them better and better each year. And then I had my heart surgery and I was planning to like bounce back really fast. And then I keep pushing towards my goals and then everything shut down. And I didn't have my festival, which would have been the sixth year for Neo Kids this year. And mm. everything shut down. And I was kind of like, just kind of like, not in shock, but just kind of like, 
well, this is different because I've been so much on the go, go, go. And at the same time, I also was forced to slow down because of the recovery after my surgery. Yeah, it takes yeah. time for your ribs to heal and get back in your strength and all that kind of stuff. But the past couple of months, like in, in September, I started playing tennis again and trying to get back into my body. Awesome. And then I've been putting out my content and I've been feeling really inspired, just like buzzing with like energy and ideas in my brain. Uh, I've been putting out some videos with like effects and telling my story and like putting out videos that like inspire me that I'm fascinated about. So uh, that's been really fun. And I'm really excited to kind of push that into 2021. Even though the festival didn't happen, I really felt like that was like a good break to slow down and not have to worry about all the financials and the stress and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I, I feel rebirthing in in a way of things that I've always known about myself. But now that like I have the space and the time to do it, it feels like, all right, now is the time to kind of like take that to the next level, you know? So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. As uh as a therapist, I'm curious be- before we talk about your your background, um, what are your thoughts on the love languages? Because I've actually just did two videos. Um, well, the first video was on the five love languages and Kizomba, but that could be any dance. And you mentioned that you are a physical person, so it's nice to have that touch. And it doesn't always have to happen from like a romantic relationship, but just in dance, it's it's kind of like that mutual mutual touch, you know. And the second video I did was on the dance love languages, and so my friend wrote an article on that. I'm not sure if you've read that blog. No, I, I haven't read that yet. So there's like a spinoff of it on where like there's different uh, dance level languages like uh, creativity, expression, deep connection, uh, playfulness, things like that, that Mm -hmm. people tend to gravitate to. And both of those are themes around self-awareness, you know, and it overlaps with the dance world. And we're going to talk a little bit about self-awareness today. So um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts and your experiences on like the love languages. I mean, uh, the love languages, I think it's, there's way more to it, but I think any, any, when you are aware of your love language and also your partner's love language or anyone that you actually, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it helps so much to understand and be in, in deeper connection. So for example, my love language is touch and quality time. Mm-hmm. Quality Those time are the touch. double whammies so, for Kizomba. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love Kizomba, right? And it's just as an example, you know, and if someone doesn't know the lot, but you know, you, you shared about this, right? And it's like words of, uh, not words of affection, what is it? Words of affirmation, exactly. That's not mine. So if, 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 if someone is with a partner and the, his love, love language, for example, is words of affirmation, and you're not aware of love languages, both even, because then you can communicate, this person mm-hmm. might tell you every day, I love you, I love you, I love you, mm-hmm. I love you. But that doesn't do anything. I mean, no, that doesn't do anything. That's not true. Of course, I like to mm-hmm. hear it, right? It doesn't but have the same impact. Exactly. Or like, so from a, from a perspective of my work, it's, it's extremely relevant in relationship. So, and if someone doesn't really know, um, if someone feels always like, oh, my partner doesn't hear me, or I don't feel loved, or I, you know, like all of that stuff. First, I always say, okay, let's go look at yours first. You know, it's like, Mm. uh, what is it that you need and how can you communicate that so that your needs get met? Because especially as women, we are very conditioned and programmed to just expect stuff. 
period. Mm -hmm. Like, because we are so intuitive and we have to be because we are from evolution kind of like uh, here to give birth. And yes. in old days, we had like 10 kids. You got to take care of those. You have to be intuitive. <laughs> you have to know what they need, right? So sometimes mm -hmm. women just expect that from, from men. In a, in a, I'm talking about a very classical uh, heterosexual relationship. It can happen sure. in any version, right? Mm -hmm. So... And I'm sharing this because it's relevant to dancing too. Like everything I say mm -hmm. now, you can apply that to dancing. So if you are not able, first, if you don't know what you need is one thing, but if you're not able to communicate that and then you expect something and you don't get it, it creates resentment, it creates friction, it creates uh, miscommunication. So mm -hmm. love language, the love language is, is a really a nice foundation to have to build on. And then mm -hmm. also, I'm, my first love language will still be a quality time and physical touch. But if I know, hey, I'm in a relationship with you and yours is words of affirmation, I make a conscious effort and choice with awareness mm -hmm. to use it so that you feel appreciated beyond mm -hmm. the physical touch. Does it make sense? Exactly. You have to yeah. kind of use that awareness to create a, a compromise and, and meet each other both halfway or in the middle, you know? I would assume so if both people are aware and willing to to kind of make that commitment. And like you said, make a conscious choice, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it, I feel like when I was hearing you speak, it's also like communicating to your partner is one thing, but like even communicating to yourself because you can be lost exactly. in your own brain of like, what's going on? I don't know what I need. And I feel these things that I know something is missing, but I don't know what it is. So even before it gets involved with another person, like just like some clarity with yourself would be helpful totally. for sure as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just what, because you mentioned that and it's so crucial, Charles, it is like, and from my background, I mean, I'm a coach, I'm a therapist. I work with people to help them. And the number one thing always is the inner work period. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta, and, and I always like to say, I have a lot of background in self-love work. Mm. And I always say like, there's, here's the thing sometimes people don't even are not aware of this so there's only one person in your life or you are the only person in your life that is going to be with you all the time there's never going to be a person never not your children not your parents and no one not a pet that's going to mm -hmm. spend as much time with you on this earth ever because you know um, and you you want to have that is the most important relationship in your life so if you want to have a really good relationship with yourself because if you don't have a really good relationship with yourself, how can you have a good relationship with anyone else? That means you got to know yourself. You got to go in. You got to mm. see how you operate. You got to see. You got to. Uh, you want to find out what are my triggers? Why am I behaving here? What am I doing with my energy? What What am I creating? Do I like it or not? And if I don't like it, let me find out what I'm actually doing so that I can change it. So it has to do a lot with. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an inner work junkie. I've been doing inner work mm -hmm. for over, how old am I now? Uh, for over 23 years now. And mm -hmm. I've been teaching and coaching for over 18. And uh, I believe that the biggest contribution to the world is actually that everybody does their inner work. Mm. And that that yeah, creates inner, inner peace. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think that's really awesome what you're saying. The inner work is super important. And... Even when I reflect back on my dance journey from salsa into kizomba into like where I am now, because I'm 36 now, I just turned 36 this month, and I started dancing when I was 19 with mm -hmm. salsa. And so, kind of like this theme that I've been repeating over and over again is like dance is an awesome way to, to be a catalyst 
to self-awareness and self-love. Because if you, you can't love what you don't know, you know, just like you're trying to um, love another person where well, you need to learn about that person, you need to become aware of them and things like that. And that same thing applies to yourself. I've been listening to different podcasts on polyamory and non-monogamy and things like that. And I know that you mentioned like the heterosexual normative. And I know that's thing as well, because I know sometimes some people are so focused and I was, I used to be like this. So it was so focused on finding that other person, that angel that's going to come and like love you in the perfect <laughs> way, just because you guys were made from the same cosmic dust and things are just going to work <laughs> magically, you know? And that hasn't been the case. Yeah. It's really more like, oh, it was me that it was me that I needed to figure out what I wanted and, and how to communicate that. And it takes some courage. It takes some vulnerability. Um, it takes some time. It just, it's not even like a quick thing. It's kind of like this metamorphosis that happens mm-hmm. slowly over time, you know? Totally. I mean, um, <laughs> so to, like, I, you know, it's so funny. We could like, you know, in which direction to go with this. It's like so much to them. I love it. And it's like, you know, um, and you said something like you can't love uh, what you don't, you can't love someone with you, what you don't know. Right. And I also sometimes mm-hmm. say you can't love something that you don't like. So you must, you have mm-hmm. to also like something first. And if you don't like yourself that we all struggle with, I, I at least did. And um, in relationship, I love what you just mentioned, even though this might not be the, the main topic here for today, but everybody struggles with relationship. And I do a lot of relationship counseling as well. There's such an illusion and mm. a misconception about love and relationship and the Hollywood movies don't help, right? Like, it's like, oh, this right knight is coming to rescue this beautiful mm-hmm. princess. And then this is the one Happily who's going to make you happy forever. Yeah, no. And there's no such, there's no person that will make you happy. There, there's someone that will share, you know, that you can share your life with that will, you know, expand the joy that you already have. But if, if you're looking for someone to give you something that you don't have is not going to work out because you got to have it first in you. And Mm -hmm. then you can expand and share that with someone. Right. And even that, that I always go back to dancing, right. On the dance floor, the more you are at ease, at peace and enjoy with yourself, the more you enjoy a dance with Mm -hmm. someone. Um, the more insecure you are, the more uh, self-judgmental you are that we are all on the dance floor. So when you learn, uh, 2019 actually was challenging because I, my background is salsa and bachata mainly. Also my, mm-hmm. and, and then I'm a, I used to be an aerobic instructor, different type of dance and stuff. But I found Kizomba, learned, and it was challenging. Suddenly, there was it was the first time in a long time because I've done many things that I felt like in the very beginning, oh, I really suck at this. This is really difficult. And mm. you get like insecure and then you dance with someone. And so all of that is also inner, inner processing that, that comes out on the dance floor, right? So I think as a dancer, uh, regardless if you dance uh, once a week for fun or if you're a professional dancer or whatever, it's like the level of inner work you do and the level of how comfortable you feel within yourself will be, the, the dance will be an expression of that. And so the more you grow, the more you learn, the more you accept yourself for who you are with everything, not the good only, right? And you mentioned the courage, uh, vulnerability. Mm. The more you have the courage 
to really look at yourself and to allow to peel off the layers that are kind of preventing you from seeing the beautiful essence that you have because we are so full mm. of stuff, beliefs, and mm-hmm. uh, just stuff that's not who we are. The more you can express yourself in dancing. So I, I don't even know how I came from here to there, but uh, I it's think okay. it's super, super, yeah, super relevant um, what you just said about the inward first as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. And let's go ahead, jump into a little bit of your background. Um, I'm hearing a little bit of an accent. So where were you <laughs> yeah. born? Where were you raised? Things yeah. of that nature. Good question. Also, because my name is so Spanish, Sonia Bueno mm-hmm. de la Torre. Yeah, Sonia. And then I have, I don't have a Spanish accent. So mm-hmm. I am originally Spanish. My parents are from Spain. And um, I am Spanish, so to say, officially, uh, nationality, but I was born and I grew up in Germany. So that's why I have a German accent, but a Spanish name. Uh, And I lived and I grew up most of my life in Germany. I left Germany about 11 years ago and uh, have been living in the Caribbean um, before moving to the Dominican Republic. I lived in Turks and Caicos. Um, so I'm an island girl now. That's wonderful. I mean, that's an awesome place to kind of relax in, relax in, I guess, enjoy nature and, and things of that nature, right? Kind of living in, in paradise, if you will. Yeah. Yes. Minus the and hurricanes. It's the same. Yeah, the hurricanes and uh, this year the <laughs> pandemic. But yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, every place has its challenges. I, 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 one thing that I want to say about that is like, the outside is always a reflection on the inside. No matter where you are, you take yourself with. Like if you are mm-hmm. unhappy inside, because, and I've been there, I was very unhappy. Um, so no matter where you are, you're going to take, take that with you. However, and it wasn't, sometimes, you know, people sometimes think, they look at me and think, oh my God, look at her. You know, she's so vibrant and she dances on the beach and she lives in the Caribbean and mm-hmm. she has such a good life. Oh, she's so lucky. I am not lucky. The mm-hmm. tears, the sweat, the courage, the pain, the cur- like it takes so much to live the way you want to live, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so it takes a lot. And not everybody is willing to do what it takes so that you can live your dream. But uh, at the same time, I'm kind of like a sun person. I'm a, uh, I, growing up in Germany was very challenging for me. It was just not my mentality. It was not my energy. I felt like totally out of place. And um I remember one day in Turks and Caicos after just re- moving, it might have been already like eight years ago. I don't remember, but I, I was going through a difficult time and I felt really depressed. I was going through depression and I was sitting on the beach. So it was the most beautiful kind of like you, but I was aware and far enough, I had, had done a lot of work already in that moment. I was thinking, I really don't feel great right now. And I'm depressed. But better be depressed here in the Caribbean than in Germany. Mm. So there's truth in that too, right? <laughs> so it's like, I'd rather be depressed on the beach than, you know, in great Germany. So, but yeah. I hear you. I was saying, I'm, I'm living the dream in a way. Yes, I do. However, mm. again, uh, it's, there's always more than the surface. It's exactly what I meant also with, you know, in relationship or that. You know, you, if, you, if you look beyond things, everybody has their own inner battle in some way. So I always say mm. to people, hey, well, never just judge people from what you see. Just allow yourself to tune in because everybody has something, a story they don't know, uh, a, a, you know, a struggle, a challenge. And to be more kind 
and more accepting versus judging too quickly from just what you see on the outside. Definitely. When I was hearing you speak, I was thinking of the quote that um, basically says that anything meaningful isn't going to come easy. Anything that's super yeah. meaningful in your life is going to require some level of, of commitment and sacrifice and, and work to get towards, you know? So yeah, definitely. Pain. It's also interesting now that you mentioned pain is because I feel like you have to, we have the ability to choose our pain. And you talked about conscious choices before, like either, let's say fitness, for example, you know, like if you don't work out and you don't take care of your body and things like that, you will fall sick. You'll have aches and pains and all this kind of thing, you know, or you can choose to work out. So then you have to go through the pain of maybe waking up early, the pain of the muscles tearing and going through the, the thing to be in good shape. So mm -hmm. either way you go, there's going to be pain. It's just a conscious choice of what you want to choose. I guess even on the, on the notion of pain, it's been interesting, especially knowing that I had my surgery earlier this year. I was having some thoughts on pain and how it's like interesting how you get to choose your pain. And sometimes pain is, is un involuntary and you have emotional pain versus physical pain and being able to navigate both. And the pain is also communicating something to you, you know, like if you have a pain in your shoulder, hey, that's your body telling you that this part of your body needs attention. Or if you're having heartbreak or some kind of uh, insecurity, that's a form of pain that's like letting you know to bring your attention to something, you know? So from an emotional sense and a physical sense, pain is communicating something, you know? But at the same time, like, I feel like there's a notion of you want to avoid pain, you want to be pain free. But I don't know. It's just weird. I, I'm, my, my thoughts are still evolving on it, but it's interesting to like seek out the pain sometimes, you know, and doing that inner work or physical from a sense uh, to like work out or to improve your life in that way as far as health is concerned versus avoiding pain, you know, but I, I mean, you don't really avoid it. You're just choosing another type of pain, you know? Yeah. And it's also, Jan, nobody likes to dive into pain. We all want to avoid it. And in, in a sense, it's also, and I like what you, the, the distinction between emotional, physical, I'm mainly like, my background is energy work. I've been doing energy uh, work and healing for over 23 years now. And also I use energy healing and energy awareness and uh, chakra psychology in my work. But I mm. work way, way more uh, with people on emotional pain and mental pain, not so much physical because, I mean, as, as well, but I'm not a doctor or physician or anything, For but sure. um, emo uh, physical pain in my world, you don't have to believe what I say or anything. And I always invite anyone who listens to this that I'm super excited that you're listening to us here right now. You take whatever resonates with you, like in a supermarket, you, you walk through a fruit, uh, you, you like the apple, you take the apple. And if you don't like the banana, you just just take it. You don't think about it. So I always say, listen to mm -hmm. anything like that. So in my experience and in my knowledge and from my perspective is physical pain is a manifestation of a disruption or a problem in our energy field and in our emotional well-being. So, and the cause is necessarily a, like the cause of a physical pain. Heart is a, a great example. You know, it's like, oh, I have a, a, you know, with heart attacks, there's often real heartbreak, uh, unresolved emotional issues, trauma, so that the heart literally energetically kind of like shrinks and it really makes it sick, so to say. And the physical manifestation can be, that's just one piece. It could be so many other mm -hmm. things. 
And of course, you got to take care of your physical body as well. And I am more kind of like the expert on the emotional and energetical side of it. And that has a direct correlation or a, a direct result also on how you feel physically. Does it make mm. sense? So I'm just, just because you brought it up, I think it's such a, it's a, gr- a great thing as well to understand whether you're a dancer or not, actually. No, for sure. It's interesting because I feel like, I mean, we're talking about taking care of yourself, doing the inner work, uh, unblocking certain things, you know, and I've heard stories over the years where maybe they do some emotional work. And that unlocks something on a physical level in their body, or they do physical work and that unlocks something on emotional level. So there's definitely this connection between the two and how they get interconnected. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, totally. You mentioned something about being the expert of more on the emotional side of things. So um, let's talk about how the journey to become an expert uh, on that side of things. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned, you kind of mentioned like you do coaching and you're a therapist and you mentioned the chakras and all of these things. So obviously that the journey of a thousand miles starts with, with one step. So how did you even begin to like choose this work and I guess kind of earning your stripes? Let us know. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a long story, but I will, I will start saying because the reason I do what I do, and I'm so passionate about helping women and men, but really to help them to feel good about themselves, to love themselves, to have a fulfilled and joyful life, is because even though I feel this way now, that's not where I'm come from. So I used to feel extremely bad about myself at very young age already. And I remember when I was 14 years old, I was already on my first diet because I thought I was fat and ugly. And mm. fat and ugly were the main two feelings that I had for a long time in my life. And I mean, this is a podcast, you don't see my picture, but I mean, I'm certainly not fat and I'm certainly not ugly. And I was like 20 years ago, I had less wrinkles and I might be even more pretty. I was pretty, I was beautiful, but I didn't see it back then. So that's how I started. I felt very, very, very uncomfortable within myself, in my body. I was a little bit bigger, you know, I had also food uh, eating disorders, gaining weight, losing weight, but fat and ugly like when you feel into that energy and i know that i'm sure that many can resonate i wasn't that Mm. but that's how i felt and um to the point and that's uh, that's a very vulnerable share Mm. and i didn't know if i would share this piece actually here but i feel like to share it just because i think it's relevant i felt so unhappy with myself and i was highly depressed i was comparing myself i was my worst inner critic i was constantly beating myself up 24 7 to the point that when i was 16 years old i was 16 i was a little bit overwhelmed and i developed very early i developed very early so at a very early age i had very big breasts Mm. and uh, i wasn't feeling good within myself i wasn't feeling good in my body i didn't know what it means to grow up and being a woman so it, it was so bad that i convinced my mother when i was 16 years old to let me have a breast reduction. So little did I know what that would actually cause in my life. That's why I'm sharing it all It's that piece sometimes mm. is missing, but that surgery went really bad. And mm. they literally just removed my breast and left me with big scars. And um, mm. the, the irony of it that when I was 16 years old and that happened, I, it didn't bother me because I was just happy that 
I was getting rid of them. You can see how bad someone has to feel to feel that way, right? Mm. And so years later, you get older, you meet guys, boys, all of that. You know, I started to feel even worse than before. I was eaten up by shame. I was hating myself. I literally, Charles, I mean, now when I look back and I look at this young girl, like if I could go back to this young girl, you know, uh, mm. but it's like, I hated myself. I hated my body. I was full of shame. And, and I, the turning point for me was when I was 26 years old. So that was like 10 years later. I was in a relationship. I was uh, back then also successful in business. My business, my background is actually fitness, but it feels like a million years ago. And um, I was on vacation with my boyfriend at the time in Thailand on a beautiful island. I was sitting on the beach and he was walking a little bit further away. And I was sitting there in my bathing suit on the beach. There was no one else there. This blue water, the palm trees, the ocean. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, this should be the most romantic day of my life. And I even feel it still. The only thing I was thinking about was how bad I was feeling about myself in that moment. And that moment, I made a decision. And that moment, I said to myself internally, I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to love myself. And I'm not going to go on vacation until again, until I feel better about myself. I did not go on vacation for a long time. <laughs> mm. But the thing was really, I did not know how it would go. As I didn't know how to love myself. I didn't. And I want to say that because some people think, oh, you got to believe to make things happen. No, I did not even believe that I could love myself. Just. I didn't even have a concept of what that could look like. But I knew that either I learn how to love myself or I die because I would mm. have taken my life away at some point. Like, that's where I come from. Like, I have experienced emotional pain in ways that I can really relate to, to people on that level. So then, that was my turning point. I didn't know how and where and what to do. But the first thing, and I've, been, I've seen this in many of my clients working with over hundreds of people all over the world. Like, the first step is always to make a decision, to make a commitment to some sort of improvement whatever that improvement is emotional physically whatever if you don't want it bad enough if you're not committed and you don't decide um then obviously nothing will change and even though i didn't know what to do life then gives you you know i met someone through this person i i met another person who was a therapist i started having some just one-on-one -on -one sessions i was still very young Mm -hmm. um, I went. I went to India. I'm a very. Uh, uh, it sounds a little cliche, but I was like one, going to India to become a seeker. You know, I wanted to find out who I am. I wanted to love myself. I wanted to just go on that journey. And um, at some point, I actually, and nobody has to do this so extreme like I did, right? I, 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 but at some point, I felt I want to let go of everything I'm doing. I want to go to India, and I want to just. It's just find myself. So I sold my business. I, I left Germany. I lost a lot of money selling my business back then. And mm. I just went and I started to meditate. And there were two things. There's so much more. I, I, there's, of course, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm turning yeah. 50 next year. But yeah, it's long yeah. story. But I want to say that the two things that made the biggest difference for me and the biggest impact on that journey that I've been for so long is learning about energy when i found that type of particular part, type of energy work learning about energy understanding what energy is and um and of course doing the inner healing work and also 
to reconnect or to learn that I am more than a physical body, that I am a soul. And this is the vehicle to express me, my higher self, whatever. And it has, you know, it, it has not a certain belief system or religion, but energy and connecting to who I am did make, made the biggest difference. And I do believe that, yeah, that to love yourself or like, you got to love yourself in order to create inner peace. So I think that really the solution or, or the foundation to inner peace and therefore outer peace is self-love. And I also believe that in order to love yourself, you got to know who you really are and not the patterns, mm. the guilt and all of that. So, and then I felt, I felt called to share that. I felt called to go out in the world and I felt like, hey, this is my purpose. This is my mission. And I have been doing that ever since. That's awesome. Yeah, I resonated with several different things that you shared just now. And I appreciate you for being vulnerable here with the, the listeners on our podcast. And I want to say dance also helped me get out of a dark place because I've been through uh, depression. And there was a time when I was like in my late teens into early 20s while I was still trying to figure out who I was and things of that nature. And yeah, suicidal thoughts is definitely something I remember having when I was younger. Um, I also went through some uh, time periods where I was doing self-harm. I would uh, mm. cut my arms to kind of have a, a replacement of emotional pain with physical pain, going back to that spectrum of pain. So yeah, dance definitely helped me kind of like get on that journey to, um, to know myself better and mm. to love yourself. So it's, it's really interesting. I still feel like I'm on the journey. I've learned how to like keep positive and like, you know, sometimes it all starts with a thought, you know, like you have a thought, something doesn't go your way. And then that thought can snowball and just like change your whole mood to where now you're like down in the dumps. And I feel like I've just gotten really better over the years at stopping that negative thought at just the thought and not letting it go further. Um, but then also being grateful and finding positive thoughts to kind of like surround yourself around, you know? And so it's interesting this year in 2020, like self-awareness has been huge therapy. Everybody could use um, therapy different ways to kind of learn more about themselves, the importance of mental health as we're navigating privilege and traumas and triggers. And I, I feel like there's a lot more conversation around that nowadays. And yeah, there's, there's a lot. So I can, I can resonate with that journey of like, if you don't figure out how to love yourself or feel better, then you will like just eventually keep getting worse and worse to where you do feel like you want to not live anymore and just take your life. And suicide is still something that plagues a lot of us, you know, men yeah. and, and women alike. Absolutely. Yeah. And this year was crazy. I mean, when the pandemic hit or the lockdown hit, I mean, I worked more than ever. Like, also, I did a lot for my community just for free as well out there. You know, like uh, I have mm. a weekly show. I have a weekly show myself. The the two things what I have seen and for for dance, especially also, especially I think for dancers who are used to get that physical touch, nourishment, and connection through dance, that was mm. kind of taking away. Um, I, I saw like, a lot of fear, a lot of loneliness, a lot of not knowing how to navigate so much time by yourself, um, mm. a lot of mental stress. So I, 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 um, I did a lot and helped my community a lot with that. And I also kept saying to people this year, 
this is an opportunity. If you have not done the, if you are not on the journey of taking care of yourself, learning, your, learning how to love yourself, doing the healing work for yourself, this is the time. Because if you're not doing now, you will really suffer. It will be terrible. This year will be terrible. And it has been terrible for so many people. So, so mm. many people. I'm a huge advocate for meditation, um, a, certain, a particular type of meditation, an energy-based uh, meditation. And um, if it wouldn't be this year, specifically, pandemic, 220, mm -hmm. if it wouldn't have been for the inner work that I've done, obviously, and uh, my commitment to daily self-care meditation and dancing, I do not know how I would have been going through this year, like bad, you know, like... Um, and that's what I meant. And thank you for sharing your story as well. And I, mm. I, I resonated, even though the self-harm, the self-harm has always to do with self-punishment. Mm. And for me, it was food, even though it's like, mm. you know, like we all have something to hurt ourselves as punishment and also to numb the pain, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have those mechanisms. And I do believe this is just coming to me. It, it doesn't really matter what the conversation would have been or topics like you mm. and me sharing today. It's going to be valuable because so many have similar stories and we often feel alone with it. And then you mm -hmm. compare yourself with someone and you think, oh my God, they have it all together. And it's like, no, like everybody has a painful story and you can heal and you can get help and that and and you're supported and in so many ways and so if any anyone who's listening right now feels like oh my god this is like you know reach out ask for help um connect you're definitely mm -hmm. not alone like especially not this year so appreciate you sharing too because it's a very vulnerable share there's always some shame involved always you never know you know mm. so um i think it's it's a, it's a really important conversation to have yeah it's interesting you know because we were talking about scars early you know and so i have scars from self-inflicted scars you know and mm. then i have this huge scar in the middle of my chest from the heart surgery both inspired from pain or like, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to like, yeah. I needed to have the surgery in order to get better with my heart on a physical sense, because I had a leak in my heart. And then the pain that was afterwards was heavy, you know, and then before was emotional pain, which caused scars. And so it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so it's interesting. Be, I was just thinking also, how interesting that, I mean, I have scars on my chest for different reasons, right? Mm. And uh, funny enough, I mean, I didn't, I'm not just remember, but it's like my last, I had several more surgeries to reconstruct to, to mm. and my last surgery was 20 years ago, but I have to, I have to go to surgery again next week. Mm. And uh, that has been terrifying for me in the last now, few months. So I worked a lot on that. So I'm going to revisit some of that old pain and scars. Mm. And it's like, and then these are the physical scars that we can see. But the emotional exactly. and, and, the, and the energetical scars, these are way more profound. We've got to take care of those. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. but I Definitely. Don't, I it's it's uh, some deep work. I'm still, I'm still um, processing what it all means and accepting it all and trying to see what it's all teaching me. Um, I think that's the work to keep continue doing, you know, but um, it's interesting. It's I'm still pondering on it. I don't have um, a final consensus. I'm like, this is just where I'm at right now. And we'll see how the, the journey goes, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah. let's talk about um, empowerment in, in dance and this self-awareness yes. in dance. Because this year in 2020, we've seen some different things come up in the dance mm. community. And yes. you had some thoughts on it. 
And I like how we started the podcast with the theme of self-awareness and vulnerability and loving yourself. And I feel like sometimes dance can be used as like an escape, you know, mm-hmm. and like you lose yourself in the music or you lose yourself in, in, in the dance, but then it's like you lose yourself to find yourself almost, you know, and <laughs> it can be a form of escapism, but like you can't really outrun yourself at the end of the day. And I know the issues of like consent and communication and, and setting boundaries. And that has been kind of like a hot topic in our dance community. And we'll talk a little bit about yeah. that. But um, yeah, dance can definitely be a tool to, I guess, try to run away from the inner problems that you have going on in your life. Or maybe something attracts you in your soul, what you even feel like you want to participate in this thing more, but maybe you don't understand why. And it's interesting to figure out what you really end up needing at the end of the days. Um, so as far as, I guess, I know I shared different things. Let's focus on, I guess, escapism in dance. And we'll get into like attraction and intimacy and, and things of that nature. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what resonated with what I just said on, on your end. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything is resonating. And, and um, I'm going to pick something you said you can't un- outrun yourself. Yes, you cannot. You, you, you pro- you, if you go somewhere else, you take yourself with. So the inner problems mm. will stay with you. So that's for sure. And escape. Yeah, I mean, we escape all the time. If it's to food, sex, alcohol, drugs, dance, doesn't matter. Exercise. Mm-hmm. I mean, exercise and dance is a health, uh, better than killing your liver with, you know, like <laughs> alcohol. But the, the mechanisms are the same. But what's really also resonating with uh, what you said is the communication, the boundary uh, community. And I want to take back the word empowerment because mm. I think um, empowerment in general is important to me. It's a big part of the work that I do. For me, it's always about empowering people, empowering in the sense that in my opinion, everyone is 100% responsible for their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of humanity doesn't live that way. That's why our world looks the way it is, right? There's a lot of blame. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of man, all of that stuff, right? Self-responsibility gives you power. It takes a lot of courage because taking responsibility is not easy because you have to own your shit. Am I allowed to say shit here, Charles? Or, yes, you're fine. I don't know. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you got to take your stuff on, you know, like, and that's scary. That's shameful sometimes. But this is the most empowering thing to do because you get take charge of your life again. I mean, it comes to escape, like it's the opposite of escaping, so to say, in a mm. way. And on the, uh, as a dancer, on the dance floor, in the dance community, it, it, it goes along with consent, boundaries, communication, all the good stuff that you mentioned. And I think, first of all, you got to take responsibility first for your life. No, life doesn't happen kind of like to you by accident. There is, mm. you know, if, if, if you're someone, not you, but if anyone is someone's like, oh, this is always happening to me or oh, poor me kind of thing. And I've been there. I'm not have no judgment around it. It's about awareness, not about judgment. It's about Mm. awareness so that you can make a different choice. You are not the victim of your life. You are creating your life. So if you feel like a victim, it's because you are allowing this to happen over and over again. And besides, I want to bring context. We spoke about this briefly before as well. Besides of there are certain people who really abuse, you know, they are with bad intention. These are the Mm. very few like percentage wise. And I don't know, I I can't tell the number, but 
I want to put that aside for a moment because those need to be taken responsible. Like you, you gotta, mm -hmm. you know, like you don't want to have those people in your community or your event, but this is very few. The bigger problem is that most, at least women that I work a lot with women are not able to set boundaries because I don't even know how. And when we don't set boundaries, when I don't set boundaries, there will be violated. Mm. But who's responsible for that? Both parties. But I am the only one that can really in control of mine. I And I don't say this lightly because I was not able to set boundaries. I was the biggest please of Charles. Oh my God, like always nice and always yes. And I could not set boundaries. And that caused me a lot of pain and struggle. And I had to turn mm. it around and say, okay, if, if I say something and someone doesn't respect it, it is because I'm not saying it in a way that that creates respect. I'm very good at setting boundaries now. Very good. And um, it creates sometimes, of course, you know, discomfort also for the other person. You have to have, I'm more, I rather set a boundary that takes care of me. The other person might not like it than pleasing someone and hurting me and then resenting the other person, you know, mm -hmm. so I think it, in the dance community, on the dance floor, when it comes to dancing, this is a huge part. And I see that missing a lot. And uh, I've been even talking to someone to really bring that in as teachings in events, like not as steps or pachata or kizomba zook or what it's like, really mm. how to create a safe space that empowers the individual to learn how to experience your own boundaries first, how to communicate them in a way that their work mm -hmm. and also understand it will take time for sure because sometimes say yeah but i i said no and it's like well you know let's see what you actually did mm, okay i can exactly. talk so much about it I, i'm gonna take my voice back for a second so <laughs> <laughs> for sure and just for the listeners i know we we kind of I, I really love what you were saying um i'm just going to kind of add some context to the uh consent conversation because basically what happened this year if you weren't aware is there were there was a time period where there were several individuals who were women that kind of brought up their stories of being coerced or sexually assaulted in in some way by different individuals in the dance community and it was enough to kind of spark a wave it was post george floyd and that wave kind of like affected all of the quote unquote leaders in the dance community and people to step up, it's like, oh my goodness, this is going on in the dance community. How can this happening? We need to protect the women from these predators that are in the dance scene. Uh, dance leaders, what are you doing to protect your attendees of your events? Um, we need safe space policies. Um, dance instructors, you need to do better. Event organizers, you need to do better. And everybody, it was, it was interesting. And to kind of see and witness how that affected like multiple dance scenes. It wasn't just Kizomba. And after a few months that since this has happened now, I'm feeling like, okay, we definitely need those things as well. But I feel like sometimes maybe, and it's, it's interesting, not just in the, in the context of, of sexual misconduct in the dance scene, because it's something that happens outside of the dance scene as well. But you can swing so hard because you're so emotionally charged or upset or wanting to make a difference that you overcorrect, you know? And now you don't want to, I feel like we could overcorrect as a dancing as a whole to where like now it's so 
focused on protection and boundaries and protecting uh, sexual misconduct from predators and things like that. But I don't feel like that's really who we are, like the majority of us, you know, mm-hmm. and exactly. I've shared, I've, I've heard this story from so many people, like, a lot of people lear- are learning their social skills in the dancing because maybe they were alone before, they're isolated, this is something new, and they're without attraction or attraction and intimacy and like these kind of uh, beautiful moments we have with music and dance sometimes. We're not sure how to manage these new feelings of, of happiness and bliss. And there's going to be mistakes of interaction and how we communicate and and setting boundaries and not reading the boundaries right and things like that. And I feel like in a safe space, yes, we do need to make sure people with bad intentions and who are predators and definitely doing criminal activities like those definitely need a place and there needs to be protection. But in that same token or that same thread, I feel like there also needs a space for mistakes to happen and for learning to happen. And it was interesting to see sometimes in the dance community, people wanted to like cancel other people, you know, it's like, oh, you're booted out of the dance community now. Or, hey, if this happened, then you need to go to the police and event organizers. What are you going to do? And it's like, we don't have any like legal authorities, you know, and then what authority do we have over other people? You know, so I feel like at the end of the day, like what you can do is just empower yourself. And if you are somebody in the dance community who wants to make a difference, like what we're doing right now, we can share ideas that can help empower others to to make better decisions and and things of that nature, you know? So that's kind of the context yeah. um, of what we had before of like the, the damsel in distress kind of vibe of like protecting the woman from unwanted predators who just want sex and setting boundaries around yeah. that. And I know you had some some thoughts on that. Yeah, and I love this topic. That's why uh, I, I'm happy we're talking about this because, and I, you said a few things that I want to pick uh, up on. Like, first of all, sexual misconduct is not only uh, women, men get as well. So I want to bring mm-hmm. that in. Not, of course, it's not the same level, but I don't want to dismiss that because there's a lot of sexual abuse in, in general, not necessarily in the dancing, yes. but, you know, boys, men. So I just want to bring that on the table so that that's acknowledged in the same way. So it could be either or. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes to social skills, and de- when you say it, not only dance life, yes, the thing with the, everything that we talk about for the dance community, li- life as a dancer, everything relates to life because life is a dance and dance is living. So um, mm-hmm. everything we speak would be totally relevant for someone has never danced in their life before, right? Mm-hmm. So learning, learning the social skills and the communication skills and understanding yourself. And you got to dig deep because everybody as a, as, a, as a sane person, let's say intelligent person, wakes up in the morning, doesn't wake up in the morning and says, oh, I'm going to let everybody violate my boundaries today. You know, it's like, you don't get up this way and say, hey, you know, like, oh, this is great. How you know that not saying no or not being able to set a boundary is not healthy for you. But you still do it. It's the same with addiction, with all these patterns. You got to do the work that finds out, okay, what in me is still letting me do that? And again, I have, and I want to say, because I am a woman and I've been in the past as well, I had my bad experiences. So I'm not saying this lightly. And I say this with all compassion and love and acceptance, but I rather want anyone be empowered because this topic can trigger people easily, especially if you are more 
if you have a sense of I'm a victim here, this topic might trigger you. I'm just putting it out there so that you are aware of it and you can kind of breathe into mm -hmm. it when this happens to you. Because a safe space is first created within. I mm. cannot, if I go to an event, Charles, imagine like the level of responsibility is just mind blowing. Like, <laughs> I, go to, I go to your event that I would have been, by the way, right? In your case, I mean, mm. but I was. So I would have gone to your event and I would expect you being responsible for my safety. And I'm one person. So that like hundreds of people, whatever, it's like, first exactly. of all, ridiculous it's not feasible and it's not your business to be responsible for me you are, your responsibility is to create in your best way a capacity and of course protection and all of that in in your capacity as an event organizer my safety i am responsible and in order to do that and i know it, it it's not easy to get that it took me years by the way i want to say this again i worked on this a long time it does not happen overnight and you won't be graceful overnight <laughs> I, was sweet, I was this sweet, way too sweet, way too nice, way too pleasing. I couldn't say no. I was the worst. And then at some point, I started to work. And it was so hard. And at some point, I, I switched a little bit to the other side. And I was very rude. Mm. You know, I didn't want to stay there. But I had to go there to kind of break the kind of a little bit the pattern. Mm -hmm. And then you learn. And I'm still on this journey. Like, uh, you know, I, I think... Communication and self-mastery is a journey until I leave this body. Mm -hmm. Safe space stays, uh, is your responsibility. You create it first in there. If you don't feel safe, you get help. Because the reality is here, like, and it's my truth and my experience. If it's something that you could have solved within yourself already, you had, would have, and you wouldn't struggle with it anymore. So if you don't, you got to get help. Because we don't learn this in school, unfortunately. Our parents didn't really teach us either. So we grow up with these wounds and beliefs about space or not. And then between men and women, there's so many instincts going on. And I want to talk a little bit about this in specifically in Kizomba because it's so relevant. So any Kizomba sure. that needs to kind of be aware of that. Because especially in Kizomba, the connection and the physical peace and the intimacy is much more than with uh, salsa, for example, right? For sure. It's even more important to be aware of your own space because you can lose yourself in Kizomba easily. Like you feel, I mean, I don't know about you, Charles, but I mean, I'm sure like we all Kizomba, did you dance with this person? You think, oh my God, this is my soulmate. Oh my mm -hmm. God, this I is, oh my God. My right? first festival when I went to Spain, her name mm. was Elia Perez. Uh -huh. And we danced for like two or three hours. It was, it was, it was a magical experience. I was like, oh my goodness, what am I feeling? And I was like, am I going to move to Spain now or what's happening here? It was crazy. So yes, I, I, I totally relate yeah. on how you can potentially yeah. lose yourself um, with the... I mean, it goes back to the self-awareness and the love languages and being, if you are a physical touch and a quality time person in, and those are your love languages and you never danced Kizomba before, and then you're exposed to Kizomba and Dangerous. you go to your festival and now there's this person who is like giving you both and the music is wonderful and it's just like no, God, bliss, yes. blissful event. Now, like, what do you do with these feelings and yeah. intentions inside? And maybe yeah. it, 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 it kind of uh, affects the way that you perceive things that mm -hmm. are not maybe in the best in the best way, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's like, and, and I'm sure 
<laughs> whoever is listening right now you can relate right it's like you can relate and it happened to me and i have so much awareness right but of course thank god i was aware because and i got i mean i uh i had these moments when i danced with someone and i felt like oh my god this is the one you know like <laughs> i was and then and, but it's like it's like uh i'm always aware of it so i knew that can happen like every second dance if you're lucky with having good dancers right and especially also very relevant to understand after this is kind of like halfway over when you go back and we have been so starved we have seen, we, are, we have been starving when it comes to dance so you want to pay attention because you get easily lose yourself in your first dance because you're just like <laughs> like this sponge mm-hmm. that needed right so so you it's your responsibility that's really yeah, but i hear you i understand it it's really tough but so with kizomba having said that the dance it's about connection and often connection and physical touch is mis associated with sex or sexual encounter you that's why the self loving piece is mm-hmm. so important to, to also because here, here's a reality of my life and sometimes that can uh, people get scared because i'm so loving and open sometimes right but it's like when you love yourself you choose love and we love we all love but there's less kind of weirdness so i can go and i can say charles i love you and i do but it doesn't mean i want to be romantically involved with you necessarily right or i want to have sex with you or something so sex and love is very entangled in our society so that's why the distinctions that for that is like and i can love someone when i dance with this person i can fall in love i can be merged and melt in but i have to be able to okay to see hey that was in a moment Mm. And from an energetical perspective we're not going to details it's way too much but it's like from an energetical perspective because we radiate and well, people don't see me but and like we radiate out we we, we uh, radiate out we bring in so we're always connecting we are like antennas so mm-hmm. my energy goes out your energy goes out we connect and we are entangled like spaghetti mm-hmm. so when we disengage and we don't bring our own energy back in we stay disentangled and that feels sometimes very messy and that mm. comes in with boundaries consent and feeling weird so oh this was sexual maybe it wasn't but even if it triggers a sexual uh, feeling if you don't have wounding around that and weird beliefs and shame and guilt that we said we have in the society you can use the moment for me i wrote down boundaries equals mm. freedom and freedom equals joy and mm. for dancers is like imagine yourself for a moment because you said empowerment i want you to imagine for a moment whoever's listening so you feel like solid within yourself you feel confident you feel grounded you feel centered and you feel safe because you know that if something comes to you that you don't like you will take care of yourself you won't let that happen so with that you have already so much joy you have so much space you have safety and protection and that self responsibility and then you go on the dance floor got to get goosebumps i miss it so much mm. and then you dance and you allow yourself to really let yourself be open and connect with some on a deep level without attachment without weird expectations without kind of like this kind of messiness and then mm. you you ex- have an experience you have a moment of joy of connection of deep connection of sharing 
And then when the one dance, two, three, five, ten, whatever, how many dances, you release, you say thank you, you appreciate the other person, and then you separate. And that separation sometimes can create pain if you are not aware of these things. And then it's easy to to be hurt. And when we are hurt and triggered, we judge and blame the other. And often that's also in, in those when we say, hey, you did something wrong just because you didn't give me what I wanted. But I'm not aware mm -hmm. of it, so I'm not going to admit it, so I'm going to blame you. No, you take back. You want to go into self-responsibility. Because when you create space, safe space, you create boundaries, you create freedom within, and that creates joy in your life and in your dance. Mm -hmm. My dancing changed completely over the years. Like when I started to dance back in Germany a long time ago, that was um, before I had, not before I was 16, but later other surgeries I had, my background was salsa. I love dance. I was so good at it. Like, but I wasn't feeling so good about myself, but it was helping me similar to what you said. Mm -hmm. But then after one, I had like two surgeries that I had to do and I stopped dancing for a long time. And only when I, I mean, I did other, other, other dances and I, I taught different dances, but not that kind of more intimate uh, partner dance. And when I moved away from Germany and I started to dance again, and especially in the last few years where I kind of rediscovered dance again with this new person that I am, because I'm a totally different person than 20 years ago, dancing for me has a quality that it never had before I did all this inner work. And the love and joy that I experienced, it's just dancing by myself even. That's what I mean. It's like, if, if you are someone who loves all of this, and I, of course, I want to dance with somebody again, but it's like, you can experience joy through dancing if you are able to express yourself through dancing, even as a solo dancer. You know, I just... It does. Definitely. I feel like what you were saying before, uh, with like so many directions to take uh, what you were saying. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it's, it's all overlapping, but... Here is the, the different tangents that I'm feeling inspired from hearing you speak just now, which has been awesome. So we talked about the event organizers and say, like, OK, I want to be a good event organizer for the dance community. I need to create a safe space. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. How do I do it? Um, what do I need to create the responsibility of 500 people to like make sure every interaction is safe? Yes, there is. They are steps that I can do to create a policy and things like that. But at the end of the day, like I don't have any authority over anyone. And so to have that responsibility or to be have that expectation put on me or any other event organizer can can be heavy, you know, and we don't get training. Like we, I'm just a guy who fell in love with the dance that like was able to grow from like a small uh, 100 person event. And that grew over the years. So I've been fortunate in that regard. But I didn't go to like a dance training congress or a seminar or anything like that that gave me the tools to know how to create a safe space or how to handle a sexual assault complaint or how to handle somebody who isn't feeling comfortable with somebody else. Like for instructors, for event organizers, for any kind of quote unquote leader in the dance scene, we aren't equipped with the tools. We're just trying yeah. to make the best decisions that we can with the limited knowledge that we have. So being able to work with other professionals and things of that nature helps us kind of create context. So that's one point I wanted to talk about. We talked about the attraction on the dance floor and, and things of that nature. And we talked about love and, and sex and intimacy and things of that nature. 
and how those get entangled. And we definitely get caught up into the um, fetishization of, of couples. And like, we need to find this one person to complete us. And if we come into the dance scene with that, sometimes we might get misguided into thinking this person is the one. But if you're not looking for the one to begin with, because you already are content with yourself, then you can kind of control that idea a little bit, you know? And also what we learn about love and what we learn about sex from society. Woo! There's so many different things that we could talk about on that, but like we don't have to look for the one. We don't need another one to complete us. And then with sex, like we have so much like secrecy around sex, but then at the same time, Sometimes we want sex because when in actuality, what we want is touch and yeah, um, connection or love or something. Yeah, exactly. And from a male perspective, let's say like, hey, we talked about toxic masculinity and like relearning what it means to be a man. Like sometimes a sexual outlet is a guy's moment to be vulnerable in a kind of a physical touch kind of way, because we don't let's say you're not physical with your mom or your dad, with your other friends. So if a a male is a physical touch dominant person, where do they get their touch needs met? Maybe they might get misconstrued of wanting sex because they need touch. And you talked about it like before, like um, if we come into the dance scene, touch starved, you know, Mm -hmm. and now we're looking for it everywhere. Maybe as a male, you can be conditioned into like, okay, I, I need some touch. Let me look for sex because that's like one strong form. I mean, we're bombarded with sex all day, every day as well. So that's, that's a thing. Um, I actually wrote a blog on like my journey from like touch scarcity into touch abundance. And now like to, to switch your mentality into like, okay, now I'm no longer starved. I actually have enough touch. That's too much. So now where do I need to go to like figure out what's enough to, to nourish me? You know, it's like, being starving for food and like not maybe only having one good meal a week into having like a full fridge and pantry full of food. Obviously you can't eat all that food. So now you need to figure out what do you like? How do you set up the plan to, to get properly nourished? And that's a journey in itself as a man. And then with women with sex, there's slut shaming and owning that side without judgment and things of that nature. So yeah, love and sex and, and touch plus uh, societal conditioning. And then we put them into like a, a catalyst, if you will, with Kizomba because it's a closer dance. You're going to have some, some, you're definitely going to have some um, stumbling. Some messy stuff. <laughs> you're going to have some messy stuff. <laughs> so that doesn't mean that that person gets labeled as a predator or as a victim or things of that nature. I feel like it's just communication and learning and figuring out, peeling back the layers of the onion and like what's going on here, you know? But yeah, that's kind of like what I was thinking. And like this, just like there needs to be dance training for professionals, if that's something that they're choosing to do, because I know I have some friends who just recently graduated from massage therapy school and they get trained and there's ethics and they teach them how to handle because they're touching people for a living. In dance, we don't have anything that's regulated in that way, you know? So um, we don't even have to get (laughs) certification to teach. We just need enough popularity or clout or skill level to do something to even be considered a professional. So 
But then when shit hits the fan, now people are looking to the leaders for guidance when actuality, like we don't, we don't have the tools, you know, I'm not saying that people may be, people may or may not be willing to, to grow in that role, depending on what they're willing to sacrifice and, and train in as some people just do it as like a side hustle, you know, or it's maybe a, a, a hobby. And it's like, hey, I just teach this class as a hobby to, yeah, to kind of help sure. the community. Yeah. And other people are super pro- professionals and organizers on the other side of the spectrum. So how how does the level of responsibility vary from both sides, you know? Yeah. So I want to say, so Amerika, you know, it's like a first, first thing, we will not be able to cover this all today. So <laughs> I'm happy to come back. It's like, we, for sure. we will have we can do multiple people, episodes will, for sure. Yes, we can, because I think it's super important because this is going to be a four hour podcast. No one wants to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I want to say a few things because everything is so relevant, what you said, you know, like, um, I want to start with something you said about uh, the event uh, planner. And that, mm-hmm. and I said that to you before, it's like, I really feel called to shift into from what I did. I, I feel shift I started last year to, to transfer my work more into actually dance community because I think it's needed and I'm a dancer and the work that mm-hmm. I'm doing is, is relevant. So if someone is willing to do or not, it's a different question because it's investment. It's always mm-hmm. about, is it important enough to you? I think you are the most important person. You got to invest the most in you. But people invest mm-hmm. more in their cars, kitchen, vacation. They don't spend time on their own well-being. Not, I mean, my people, like, not everyone. But you've got to be willing to invest. That's number one. As an event planner, you said something, you know, you, 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 you do this event and then you, you are res- you're responsible for every interaction to be safe, 500 people. And you said that might be heavy. It's impossible. <laughs> it is impossible. You can take the pressure off, Charles. And mm. I, I mean, not that I have this, but you are not responsible for those two, 500 people's safety it, because it's impossible. I think one of the things that's really important, and I don't know, I'm not an event planner organizer in that scene, is like um, when people mm. sign waivers to, to sign, I am aware that I am responsible when I join this. That's taking mm. person. If you don't want to sign that, then you just don't go there. That does not mm. mean that if something bad happens, you want to go to the organizer and say, hey, this just happened. We need to take care of it. How do we take care of it? How do we handle this? And I agree with you, there's not enough training. So, and I, you know, these things need to be coming more and more into the dance community. And I would feel very called to do that. And um, so it's impossible. You cannot, and you're not responsible. I'm just saying, putting it out there. And every sure. dancer that goes to, Every dancer that goes to an event should go in with the mindset, I am responsible for my safety here. And then you have everything else in place that kind of helps to do that. Mm. Because, um, and you said, and with the willingness and the investment. And then I do believe that it would be very beneficial to offer, and some events do already little things here and there, depending, but to offer really like a, a, a class on, hey, how do I protect myself? Uh, how do I set boundaries, whatever, you know, like even to, to, to bring these things into dance scene more and more and more. The one other thing that I wanted to say that was important to me, uh, yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to say, and I think I, I shared that with you before, mm. previously, I once heard that often, you know, not in my world, but in the dance scene, people hear like, okay, you always say yes when someone asks you to dance, you never say no. Mm. Right. So, and I felt like how, if you're conditioned that way, you are already laying the ground for 
stuff to happen because no mm. and i'm saying it for any follower or any the i mean generally or lead or whoever is like just because someone asks you to dance you do not have to dance with that person period i'm very clear and strict with that and that would avoid also some of that stuff consent stuff mm. uh because if you don't feel comfortable with a certain person you do not have to dance with that person and it doesn't happen often at all I, like i've been dancing for a long time and i've done a lot of things for a long time it's like doesn't happen often but if i dance with someone and be- within the dance i feel it's inappropriate it's not comfortable i stop the dance mm. you'd have to have a lot of courage to do that though you have to have confidence to do that you have to be but I can tell you I see it over and over again more women but also men that suffer through a dance mm, suffer definitely because because they cannot because they don't take the responsibility for their own and so that goes back to what we were saying but that whole that whole piece is so big you know but again it goes mm, back definitely. to our responsibility let me not start about the love sex couple starving and <laughs> that's that's a, but that's a podcast so worth it so worth it another time but that that topic is just too big for sure and so yeah there's so many layers that come into the dynamics and it's not surprising that you have a lot of uh mistakes and if we don't create space for mistakes to happen then i feel like we're doing maybe a disservice to the to the dance community and you mentioned before the responsibility of an event planner and i just want to communicate i mean it could be uh, a weekly class it could be a social it could be a house party like everybody if everybody was empowered to be self aware and and set their boundaries and things like that and all things it doesn't matter how big the event is it could be a million people exactly. it could be 10 people it's just interesting of having these um these conversations and and just I think even having this conversation so people realize how many layers are actually at play and not to I guess go off on a whim and just think that every every good dance is has to be like this sexual thing or it doesn't have to be like a soulmate thing either you know um it can just be like a a wonderful experience and it ends there um versus having it have to to mean more you know because yeah. of whatever yeah, exactly. but the the touch aspect of it is huge and i think like you mentioned before when you're you're sharing your journey about the overcorrection and then like re recoursing you know when you were uh saying yes and you're a people pleaser to like now being rude and you're like over on that side and then finding a balance between both and it's like how i guess my mind is like how do you even do that as a as a dance community because the communities overlap you know like you could have a yeah. local city community you could have a community in the states uh and then you have different communities across the different dances where some dancers are multiple yeah. people and then like on a national level even to like a global level you know but it's if you broke it down to like the most basic unit it's each of us as a person you know and I even feel like as a dance instructor you can suffer through a dance sometimes you know and oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah but people have expectations of like oh as in a dance instructor you can't say no and and things like that you know I took a a touch workshop on consent um a few years ago and one of the exercises that they had us do was just to like play making a request and the person you already knew the person was going to say no and that helped us practice saying no in like a 
an imagined kind of playful way. And then also receiving the no and noticing how that felt with us, you know, because sometimes like it takes courage to say the no, but then let's say you have the courage, but then you're afraid of how that's going to impact the other person, you know? And then the person that asks something, sometimes they're like, sometimes it takes courage to even ask in the first place, you know? And then like, I remember when I was a, a younger dancer with not a lot of experience in like battling with myself as like, get most of the courage to go say no. And then also prepare yourself for the potential uh, of a no, but you're hoping for a yes, you know? So man, oh man, there's just so many dynamics there. Oh, so many dynamics. Again, like, again, we could keep talking for hours, but it's like when uh, your question about also like events and big, and it's like, ultimately it goes back to personal individual responsibility. And also to see mm. we are human beings. We are human beings and we mess up. That's how we learn. And I want to I wanna maybe reframe something instead of using mistakes. It's like we, mm. we, create something, we create something together and we have an experience. That experience mm. might not feel good. So it's an unpleasant experience in that sense. It's not a mistake per se. Because I think mistake mm. feels like, oh, I did something wrong kind of thing. It's more like, what? Let me look inside. How was I part of this creation? It's also a lot in relation work, relationship work that I do. If you're in a relationship and you fight a lot mm. or something, it's like, what's really going on underneath? And what am I, what, what's my part in it? So again, self-responsibility. It's not about, oh, these are mistakes. Or this is so bad out there in the dance community. And also not to push it more out of proportion. To, because mm. it's not, it's just like out of, let's say, and I, and I have not the right numbers here, but let's say out of a hundred thousand people that go dancing every year, uh, five come out and say, oh, I, this bad happened. That is then suddenly the norm. It's like, how is this possible? No, energy, energy follows attention. Energy follows attention. It's one of the most basic laws in the energy world. So if you can choose to focus on those five bad apples or the 9,000, whatever, whatever I said, um, so, mm -hmm. you know, 1% to 99%. And where do you want to put your focus on, right? You want to take care of this. But why not take care more of this and bring that then there? So I think that takes also awareness and that takes conscious choice and that takes self-responsibility. So I don't think it's a bad thing what's happening, actually. It's, a few, mm. it, it's good that it comes out and it needs to be taken care of, but it's, it's not okay to put it out of proportion, to make a, a put a bad light into dancing right now because it's not. So I want to be, mm. I, I'm very clear with that. I think... We, we need more love, light, uh, and positivity, and kindness, and awareness, and consciousness, and not so much the scarcity, the blaming, the judgment, because that's what we create more and more and more, especially this year. So I want to bring that back. And one thing I want to say, though, that goes along with what you said with, you know, the course that you did, and I think that's exactly the solution is to really learn these things, right? And to learn to be to deal also with rejection. But any any time something feels uncomfortable and you say basically yes to it, like someone comes and they want something from you, dance related or not dance related, and you say yes, even though it doesn't feel good, you say no to yourself. Mm. Every time, no, no to yourself, no to yourself, no to yourself. But then we blame the outside for something happening to us, but we kind of really started to create. And again, 
if someone gets triggered, I'm not talking about you go somewhere and you get assaulted, you know, like, mm. uh, and, and so I, I really want to make that distinction. I mean, I work with a lot of uh, people who got raped, traumatized, and like, I, I work with, with really painful and deep stuff. So I'm, I'm not saying that to dismiss that. But and one last piece I want to say to this, because sometimes this is really interesting. So <laughs> setting boundaries, learning how to set boundaries is uncomfortable in the beginning. Okay, so it's uncomfortable. However, here's, here's the deal. When you say yes to something that you don't want, it's very uncomfortable, right? So mm -hmm. whether you say yes or no, you will feel uncomfortable, then choose the one that's actually healthier for you. Mm -hmm. Because that discomfort will help you heal and grow. The other discomfort will just keep you in suffering. But you will feel uncomfortable either way. So why not choose the one that's actually good for you? For sure. It goes back to what I was mentioning before about the pain of like fitness, yeah. you know, like you're going to either feel the pain of being sick and ill or the pain of working out, uh, whether that be discomfort, uh, whether. Yeah, like I feel like sometimes we have a, a misconceived notion of like a wonderful life is a life without discomfort and, and a life without pain. But it's not necessarily cases choosing the the proper discomfort and the proper pain that's going to resonate with yeah. you and actually make you a better person and move you towards the, the person that you really want to be, yeah. you know? Totally. I don't mm -hmm. think there's a, as long, as long as we are human in, in a human body, whatever your belief system in or not, but as long as we are in a human body, in a human experience and we're going to experience pain. We're going to experience uh, discomfort because it's part of the, it's part of our experience that we're here. I think because we are so conditioned to not, to, because we not know how to handle it. We don't learn how to handle it. What if you embrace everything? Pain is also only an experience. It's our label. Or if, for example, I get rejected. It hurts. I think that's a bad thing. But what if I say mm. everything is just an energetical phenomena, everything is an experience and it's not good or bad. Yeah, that feels uncomfortable, but you only grow through friction. If you're not uncomfortable, you don't grow and, and it doesn't even exist. I don't know one person, not one enlightened person in the world that has not issues to work through. It, and that's a mm. good thing. What, you know, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I'm excited about finding out those dark places and nobody wants to share uh, you know, for example, if I go into a relationship and someone asks me, hey, you know, I bring, I think I'm a really good catch, you know, like uh, I bring a lot to the table that is beautiful in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, at the same time, I also know that if I feel off balance or if I feel insecure or if I get anxious, I can get very controlling. I don't like to admit that. Mm. But it's the truth. And if I can embrace that and say, hey, that's my piece. And then the other say, hey, you know, when I do that, I totally hide or I get angry, whatever. So it's about mm. really embracing and being able to communicate. And everything we just spoke is the same on the dance floor. And even if you only touch the surface, your dancing will be so different. And mm. sometimes we suffer through a dance, by the way. But it can also be a conscious choice because it's not like really, it might be not be comfortable, but it's not abusive or it's not, you know, mm. uh, in a setting. But sometimes I might dance with someone here in the Dominican Republic um, and I'm a, I'm a fairly decent bachata dancer, right? And uh, some 
guys come and think they're kind of, yeah, cool. And then they realize, oh shit, she danced better than me. Mm. Right. And uh, they were just hitting on me or something. And then I just dance mm-hmm. with them because and it might be boring or whatever. But I make the best out of it. And I would not dance mm-hmm. with this person again because I had that experience. And that's okay too. Mm. You know, there's so many nuances, but it's like, for sure. I want to go back to what you said in the end about that, you know, bringing this more into a, a light and a joyful way, instead of thinking, oh, there's something happening bad on the desk. It's like it's two human beings, two human beings with their own baggage, with their mm. own insecurities. And I want to say to everyone here, no matter with what, maybe I'll ask you that because you're, you know, my teacher, you're the dancer. And it doesn't mean that you never get insecure. doesn't mean that, you know, you have it all together. Like when we dance with someone that is better than us, we sometimes get into this, oh my God, oh my God. Uh, mm. Right. And it's like, no, I don't know anyone who's not, uh, there's a moment of nervousness and insecurity when you dance with someone new that, that you doubt yourself. Like, you know, like just stop the comparison, go into this, hey, there's this human being that I have not danced with before, because if you have, you know a little bit what to expect. And what if I'm open to just be gentle and kind to myself, but also to the other person and let that be a joyful experience versus, oh my God, I'm afraid or, oh my God, what's going to happen? So just mm, bring that in. Two, two human beings making an experience together. And how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. The next time we could go into the whole sex love and thing because Kizomba creates For that sure. a lot. <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely does. And we could do a podcast on that. As we as we close out this particular podcast, one thing that I was feeling inside of me hearing you talk was we talked about the the pain and the discomfort, you know? And we talked about sometimes we can be like creating life or being a victim of life. And coming to the realization that pain is going to be a part of the journey, discomfort is going to be a part of the journey, and the escapism, I don't know, it just kind of dawned on me, if you are actively seeking and making a conscious choice to find the pain and creating the life you want versus escaping and avoiding the pain, or, or, or I guess maybe avoiding certain types of pain and discomfort, and then you think you're escaping it, but then it comes around and bites you in the butt with an experience or something like that. And then it's a victim or now it's something that's outside of your control. I feel like part of this is like being actively aware and pursuing the pain, pursuing a workout that you know is going to be painful, uh, pursuing uh, a conversation that might be a little bit emotionally mucky, pursuing inner work that might be triggering and, and sad and and things of that nature, you know, like if you don't actively move yourself in that direction, then you might think you're escaping it, but then something is going to happen. And then you're like, oh, I thought I was escaping it. Why is this coming up now? But the thing is, is that you can't, you can't outrun yourself, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And also it's like, I want to be very clear, like, and I'm very, I'm always very clear and I'm transparent out there. If you choose mm. to do the inner work, it's very uncomfortable. And that's good because you're going to love what you, the result of it. Because here's the thing. And like, you cannot escape from it anyway. It will bite you in the butt. How you said it will come. It, it will come mm. out in weird ways. And, and it's not necessarily the mindset where someone's saying, no, I don't want to seek for pain. No, seek for pleasure. Seek for what is it that you really want? I, for example, I want to feel free. I want to feel relaxed. Mm. I want to feel joyful. I want to feel open. 
I want to feel love. I want to feel alive. So that's all what I want. I want to feel confident. I mean, do you want this? Yes, for sure. Who would, wouldn't want that? So in order to get there, you will have go through obstacles. That will be hurtful, like that will, might hurt the same that you said in the gym. But the result mm -hmm. is going to be so delicious. It's going to be so wonderful. And the question is only, am I willing to do the work to get there? Is this important enough? Because if you don't, then you don't, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think it's, 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 and then to embrace the discomfort versus, oh my God, because uh, let's be real, we're uncomfortable anyway. If you run away from yourself, you'll be uncomfortable all the time. You're just a victim. Mm -hmm. If you, what that? You know, I want to just emphasize that that's, that's a really good point. And some people might think, oh no, but I don't want to pursue the pain. No, then pursue your dream, pursue your pleasure. How do you want to feel, mm -hmm. you know, and start start with little things, you know, like breathing, meditation, do something. I mean, I, I can tell a lot of things that you can start doing. Be more aware before you even go on the dance floor, you know, just take three deep breaths, connect with yourself, like very simple mm -hmm. things. Like I don't like connect with yourself first, <sighs> take a few deep breaths, relax within, see how you feel. And then you are connected with yourself. And then you connect with someone and you look someone in the eye and you really connect. I am shocked, Charles. I've been in 2019. I was in so many events. I, I can't tell you how many mm. times people just want to dance with you and there's no connection. Sometimes you grab your hand. It doesn't, if someone just comes and grabs my hand, here's one thing. And I see this all the time. And most of the time we just go like, if someone does that, does not happen in Kizomba mostly because more followers than leads, but in, <laughs> nevertheless, you know, um, maybe it happens. It happens to men and that, that or, or leaders, you know, ha leads, um, happens to lead. So it applies to both, just lead. So if someone comes and grabs your hand to dance, and unless it's a friend of yours that, you know, I know I'm, I'm in the, mm, I'm around sure. the corner, you come, you grab my hand, I just come with you, no question. But I don't just go with them. I kind of pause them very respectful, right? And I say, and I look at them and say, would you like to, would you like to dance with me? So that's what you, you, then it's like, okay, so, so I appreciate if you ask me because that's how we mm. teach them also goes back to self responsibility. And then I can say, Hey, you know, it feels better for me if you just ask me, Hey, would you like to dance with me instead of just grabbing my hand? Mm. It just, I don't know. It just came up, you know, like, so again, that's little, little things, you know, connect, breathe, connect. So much more. That's so, so much more. No, we'll <laughs> definitely do uh, another episode. But um, I guess to wrap up the podcast, can you let people know uh, how they can reach you if they're interested in, in working with you or finding more about what you do? Um, yeah. How can they do that? And I guess maybe just like um, a final thought to, to end the podcast. Sure, sure, absolutely. At this moment right now, um, okay, I don't know when we're going to add this, but uh, the best way is to connect with me on Facebook. And obviously, I have also a, a weekly show called Soul Infused Monday. I am very active on Facebook. Um, that's at the moment the best way to connect with me and um, or send me a message or friend request or whatever. I also, if anyone, we didn't speak, we didn't speak much about meditation, but I want to put it in there because I have a lot of free resources. There's so much good stuff, but totally for free. So if you just want to dive deeper into a little bit more the inner work, boundaries, energies, meditation in particular, um, I have a lot of free resources as well uh, there on, on Facebook. I'm also on YouTube and there's a free app, a meditation app called Insight Timer, where you mm -hmm. can find some of my meditations. And um, I don't know if I, uh, I could give you, I have a guided self-love meditation mm. that I'd be happy to give, give you Charles, if you want to just give to your community, whoever kind of resonated with it. 
<clears throat> who wants to maybe start meditating, connecting, go a little bit more into the self-love, I'd be happy to share that as well. For sure. So I have a podcast page on my website. Mm -hmm. And so on this particular episode, we can link all your social media accounts. Sure. We can link your shows and the app. And if you have like an MP3 or something like that, yeah. um, I can upload it onto my website and people can, can download that if they're interested in checking that out. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. And uh, any closing thoughts that you have in your mind right now before we, we end the podcast? Yeah, so first I would invite you, listener, to take a deep breath and just relax for a moment. And as this is the end of the year or the beginning or in the middle, or maybe it's 2023 when you're listening to this, the one thing I want to say is that you are truly the creator of your reality in your life. So whichever reality you live or life and there's something you want to change or you're not happy about, you have everything you need to do it. You have the power to create the life that you really want as a dancer, as a woman, as a man, as whatever. And I invite you to really go inward to find the answers versus outside. Beautiful notion. All right, Sonia, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with us. Um, I'm glad that this is happening and it feels nice to have this uh, topic of podcast right before the end of 2020. And so thank you so much for joining us. And I wish you a really successful uh, 2021. We're definitely going to have to do some more podcasts. I think the love, intimacy, sex and Kizomba might be a really good podcast to do. And yeah, thanks so much for, for sharing. Ah, oh, you're so welcome and thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. I wish you like joy, love, inner peace, success, everything. Uh, lots of dancing in 2021. Let's set that intention, hopefully. <laughs> Hope to get to see you in person. So yeah, and super, super happy to do that podcast. I think that's a topic that we will fairly enjoy. Mm -hmm, definitely. All right, Sonia, thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Peace, brother, brother.